Hello, welcome to Choose Wisely. I'm Caroline Nelson, your rancher friend, and this is the podcast where we deconstruct food and sustainability topics with nuance and primary sources. I'm a sheep and cattle rancher in Montana. I've been ranching about six years, and I love bridging the gap between food producers and food consumers and debunking myths along the way. So welcome. I'm showing up (laughs) tired today. I always have such a hard time saying like, oh, today was a bad day on the ranch or I'm not having fun right now. (laughs) I'm such a public oversharer on the internet or just a sharer. I don't know if it's oversharing really, but in some ways I've been sharing so long that I've started to kind of self-censor about certain things that I know I'll get DMs about that will frustrate me. So saying like, God, I'm so tired. Today I hated my job. Today I didn't want to do this. Today I wanted to sell all the sheep and get a job in town. Like, I know the messages that I'll get when I say that. And the messages are like, well, you'll feel differently tomorrow. Tomorrow's a new day. I know you don't mean it. That's kind of like one brand of it where it's essentially just like, well, just suck it up, buttercup. You'll be good. And I think it's it's a message that means well, but I hate receiving stuff like that because it's like, if I'm having a bad day, let me have a bad day. Like I'm one of the most positive people <laughs> on Instagram. Like I'm just so happy all the time that when I'm not, I'm allowed to be. And then I'll get another type of message that's something along the lines of, you're just living my dream. I'm just so, you know, so jealous that you get to live that. I just can't even imagine having a bad day on the ranch. Like you're in nature, you're with your animals. How could there ever be a bad day? Or like no such thing as a bad day on the ranch or, you know, just that kind of stuff. And it's like, uh, yeah, there is. (laughs) And even while it's happening, I look around and I'm like, wow, this looks like a movie set. We're in the middle of this lush, tall pasture. I am exactly where I prayed I would be like 15 years ago. I'm exactly where I've been working to be. This was my dream to have these livestock, to be doing this type of fencing, to be grazing in this way. And yet this morning, let me give you the background. It's Memorial Day weekend. It's a Sunday and I'm exhausted. I've been exhausted for six months. (laughs) Like not really. It's just that I've been in this busy season that started probably like February, March, because we had a really extreme weather. Winter was like really hard this year. And then spring hit right away. We doubled our sheep flock. We went right into lambing, went right into camps. And now we've been for the last month in a full sprint of like getting stuff to pasture, doing fencing, getting irrigating going, seeding pastures. It's funny because this is our first season with a ranch hand. And before we brought our ranch hand on full time, Justin and I were like, do we have enough work? You know, can we justify this? And now I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, how did we ever not have three people? I feel like we could have four people and we'd still be, you know, getting almost where we need to be or still working on stuff constantly. Justin walked in our bedroom last night and he just looked at me and he goes, every piece of equipment on this outfit has something wrong with it. And he starts listing all our vehicles, our tractor, his baler, like every piece of equipment that we have and everything that's broken on it. (laughs) 
<laughs> like he was kind of being funny, but I could tell there was like a hint of despair <laughs> and a feeling of this like endlessness that I was feeling this morning when my phone rang. So it's Sunday morning. I thought we were in a really good place. It's it's a long weekend. I was really hoping to kind of do a couple half days, you know, Sunday and, and Monday maybe, and just get my work done, do four, six hours of work, and then like hang out, hang out with my husband, just chill. Even having like a relaxing day doing yard work still sounds like a vacation to me. Like oh, I could just mow the lawn with a beer in my hand. So that's what I, I've been kind of hoping to do because I know there's no way out of burnout except rest. Like I, I have to build more rest in for myself. That's the only way that I can move through this. I've been sort of bringing in more support into my life to try to get through this season. And I feel it coming and I know what burnout feels like. I've burned out before. I don't want to do it again. I know what I need to do. So I, I've been for probably the last two weeks just starting to put those guardrails up in my life. So that includes like more like batch prepping meals, like trying to make food easier and also taking all judgment away from food. So like whatever I need to eat, I'm not going to think like, oh, I need to run to the grocery store because this meal really needs peppers or whatever. It's like, we're just eating what we're eating. I, I just have to separate like my optimal meal from the simple need of feeding myself. So I'm simplifying around food. I am so grateful to have my friend who comes and cleans our house every two weeks. That's been life-saving. I've been leaning on Justin a little more like, hey, I need your help in these areas because I'm drowning. And also just trying to set up the animals in such a way that they're not so labor intensive. So for example, with rotational grazing, you can rotationally graze a ton of different ways. You can move your animals four times a day if you want. I'm trying to set them up. So instead of moving them every like one to two days, which is pretty labor intensive for right now, since we don't have the infrastructure that we need, I'm trying to park them in, in a pasture, you know, and move them every five days, four, five, six days. Like that is a, is a pace right now that feels good. We're still doing a ton to build soil health. Like we're achieving our goals, but I am having some more breathing room in my life. Okay. So, oh, and I signed back up for therapy. So hopefully I'm going to start in the next week or two. I always say Bruce Springsteen's quote about therapy, which is like getting a checkup from the neck up. And I think it's so funny. Like a a tune-up on your car. I feel like I need a tune-up on my brain. So I think all these things are going to combined just help me push through this season. So anyway, that's where I was at this morning, Sunday morning. I had a cup of coffee. I was sitting at my desk. I was working, but not in this rushed way. I was like, everything's taken care of. The sheep have plenty of grass. Like, rain is coming, which is so nice because if you're a farmer or rancher, you know that like rain, when it rains, like you really can't do anything outside. Like that's the time you can't even get an equipment. You don't want to make ruts in the fields. Like you just have to be in your house when it's raining pretty much. And so I was like, oh, it's gonna be so nice. Me and Justin can hang out today. We had a date night last night. It was so great. And then the phone rings and the sheep are out. And a lot of them are out and they're really headed somewhere they're not supposed to be. And thank you to all my amazing neighbors and friends who make those phone calls to me because <laughs> our sheep aren't always within sight line of our house. A lot of times they're not. And so other people will see it first when they get out. Justin rushed over. I stopped at our ranch supply store in town to get some supplies because I knew this was going to require a little bit of fencing. 
And then I hauled butt over there. I had the dog. There was four of us. We got all the sheep in and they had escaped onto the neighboring sod farm. So like grass sod, you know, what you would buy at Home Depot to patch up your lawn and put, put a new lawn down. It's that kind of sod farm. So usually when my sheep get out, it's not like a full emergency because they're just, you know, in another field that's just like the field they left. And with, you know, it's it's just not like the most sensitive agricultural land in the world. So it's not as stressful. But a sod farm, I have to imagine, I'm just guessing here, but I mean, it is, you should see this thing. It's like pristine. The grass is perfect. They don't want little hoof prints. <laughs> making divots you know they don't want the sheep grazing on the sod so when you have a sensitive crop like that it's way more important that that your sheep don't get out and so I was just rushing over there super stressed my heart is like in my (laughs) throat and I was already feeling a little like a little bit of despair honestly because that's how it's been for several weeks it feels like we've been just non-stop putting out fires And the sheep have just been really bad. This time of year, they're really pushy. They're psyched about green grass. It's been a long winter for them too. And if they see like the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, like they want to go there. And we have put so much time and thought and money, 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 like thousands of dollars into fencing this spring alone. We have multiple other thousands of dollars in, in fencing infrastructure that we have been, you know, from last year, like, and we could still spend multiple thousands more (laughs) right now to get where we need to be. So we've just been doing so much and, you know, we've put them in the most beautiful, lush, waist high, diversified pasture. Like they should be the happiest sheep in the world. And they're extremely lucky to be having the salad bar that they're having. So the fact that they escaped, I was just stressed about it. So we get them all in. And so it turns out they were not really trying to graze the sod. They weren't interested in it. They had all run to the middle of this big giant sod field because there were some weeds there and they were eating those weeds, which (laughs) that's why they're hilarious and why at the end of the day, I I adore them. I love that they love weeds. (laughs) It's like, there's weeds in your pasture too. Eat those ones. So I had a bunch of fencing supplies. Justin had a huge list of things to do. So after he helped me get the sheep in, he had to go. And I was like, I got this. So I start fencing. And what I was doing was adding one more strand of electric wire along this long span of fencing that I thought was pretty reinforced. But essentially, they had exposed like a weak spot and... I didn't want them, even though we patched that up, I didn't want them to go back and start looking for more weak spots. Because once they get something in their head, it's kind of like they'll, hey, we can escape this fence. Let's push over here now. Let's try around this corner. Maybe this is weak. So I wanted to string an electric strand to just nip that in the bud. And um, we do solar electric. So it's really great. I mean, you just need a sunny day and you don't need any power out there. So that's what I was setting up. And then the rain started. And we love rain. (laughs) We're in the high desert. We love every single drop of rain. But this was kind of torrential. I had run out of my house in what I was wearing. Because when the sheep are out, you have to just go. There's no changing your clothes. 
I was in a t-shirt and just regular boots and jeans. And within 10 minutes, I was completely soaked. It was freezing. They always say in Montana, like, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. So <laughs> I was so cold. My fingers weren't working. It was that, it was like that point where you couldn't do your button or do your zipper kind of thing. And I just, I had no option. This is one of those things where I really try to be nice to myself in ranching. I think so many ranchers build resentment or, or grow resentment in their work because they they don't let themselves take a break when they need one, have a bite to eat when they need one, rest when they need one. And I try so hard to fight against that stigma and give ourselves rest. I mean, we still, it's a joke. Like if you saw how much we rested, you'd be like, you're not resting. <laughs> that's, that's not sufficient. But to me, like what that looks like right now, I mean, Justin and I have been doing 12 to 16 hour days. I don't do 16 hours ever, but he does. I'll do 14. Since I don't know. I've been doing them probably since February, March. Just, you know, from the moment you wake up until the moment you go to sleep, you're working. And because I can do so much on my phone and share our story, I can work in bed. I mean, I do all the time. I do email blasts and I, you know, market our products till the moment I go to sleep. So when I say we're taking a break, I mean, like, I'll try to take an afternoon or only work eight hours and then, you know, go home. And we work seven days and we don't take any days off and it's just this whole thing. So that's an issue and we've been trying to work on that. So anyway, I usually, when I start to feel that edge of despair, like I was feeling when this rain started and I got really cold, I try to be like, you know what, Caroline, you can go sit in the truck for 15 minutes and warm up. You know, the fencing project will still be here and and our rainstorms don't last that long. But because they had just gotten out, they were kind of stirred up. And I know that if I had gone into my truck and warmed up and ridden out the rain, they would have gotten out again. So I had to put this fencing up right away. And it wasn't a quick project. This was going to take me, you know, at least an hour, hour and a half to get it all done. So I am just freezing. I'm basically, I look like it's like a wet t-shirt contest, but except my whole body to the point where water is streaming down my face. Like I can barely see, you know, <laughs> water was like pouring into my mouth. It looked like I, I felt like I was drinking from a water bottle, but it was the sky. So anyway, I get almost done stretching the wire out and I turn around and there's Justin and he's come back and he's got this big warm coat that he borrowed from his dad's shop that's nearby. And he's soaking wet himself. He doesn't even have a coat on. He's like, I found this coat. You better put this on. And he's like, you have to take your wet shirt off. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope no one's <laughs> no one's looking at me. I couldn't hardly even do my buttons. It took forever, but I got that off. And then he put the coat right on me and zipped me up, like literally zipped me up like a little toddler and pulled the hood over my head. And immediately, I mean, I started to warm up and I was like, oh my gosh, this is I mean, I love him all the time, but in that moment, I was like, this is the biggest love I've ever felt. So then I finished doing the fencing. It probably took me another 45 minutes because I had to troubleshoot little patchy areas and, and blah, blah, blah. You don't need to hear all the tedious details. But basically, 
this whole project was two hours in the rain and and then my body was warm and my head was warm, but I still, I mean, I had an inch of water in my boots. My pants were soaked. It wasn't like I was warm, but I was, you know, I could at least get the job finished. And I just had this despair feeling. I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> I'm not having fun. I regret all my decisions. I should just work at the local bank and get benefits and have a hobby flock. Like none of those are are really serious thoughts, but I I have found that if I try and like police my own thoughts and be like don't think that Caroline, you you wouldn't actually do that. Don't even think that. You love this. You love this. Like it's not I can't convince myself. I have to let myself feel feelings if I'm going to move through them. So I was really trying to let myself do that. And I tried to even document it in the moment. I tried to take a video and just talk about it, but it was so wet that my phone speaker broke. I couldn't even register like a fingerprint on the phone because there was just streaming water. I couldn't get the lens cleaned off enough to even get a clear image. Like there was no documenting it in that moment. So I got home I needed a few more supplies. I took it as an opportunity to change my clothes. I warmed up. I got into dry clothes, put better boots on, stopped for supplies, went back to the sheep farm, did another hour of, of patch up work that I had to do. Got the sheep all settled. Everybody, I think as of right now, knock on wood, is in for the night and happy and has plenty of green grass that they're content with. But I... I just was like, I want to talk about this on the podcast today because I still feel that feeling of like, I'm not having fun. And my bigger point here is that I feel like ranching and farming is at once kind of villainized and highly criticized. And on one hand, you know, the American public thinks farmers are idiots and we're ranchers are ruining the planet and you know, we're just a bunch of ignorant, rural, uncultured, blah, 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 whatever. There's that, but there's also this tremendous romanticization of farmers and ranchers and the lifestyle and the work and having cattle and ranching and all this stuff. And I really feel that like when I very intentionally share about the harder things, I just get the feedback sometimes that it's not what people want to hear. Other ranchers will often say, I'm so grateful you're talking about this. This is so important. We shouldn't just share the good days. But then other people will just be like, we'll minimize it. Or you're living the dream though. You know, that's so beautiful there though. Your worst day out there is still your best day somewhere else. And I think it's not a healthy impulse for us to overly, exclusively romanticize this work. Choose Wisely is brought to you by my small business, Little Creek Lamb and Beef. The first Monday of every month, I pack and ship our beef subscription orders. These are customers who get a box every month or every two or three or four months. And we got the best customer review the other day. So I'm going to read it to you. Brenda wrote me and she said, Hi, I gifted the beef subscription to my husband for Christmas, and we look forward to every single meal we've made out of it. Honestly, these are the best burgers we have ever had, ever. 
I also love being able to watch the love and passion that goes into the food we are feeding our kid. And I told him the story of how it can all be traced back locally. My only wish is that we did this sooner. Thank you. That meant so much to me. We've been running our beef subscription for a couple years now, and I love custom packing each box. I feel like I get to know each family, who they're cooking for. I learn their favorite cuts, and we're swapping it up all the time, making sure they're trying new things every box. It's so fun. For a limited time, we're offering 10% off your first order over $100 with the code WISELY, all caps. That's WISELY, W-I-S-E-L-Y. Follow the link in the show notes to shop or visit littlecreekmontana.com. There's been such a trend of folks getting into agriculture lately, and I think it's such a good thing. And if they're not getting into agriculture at scale, they're maybe just getting into gardening or homesteading or having a few butcher animals. Like there's a real movement happening and it's so flipping cool. But I I have been hearing from folks in the first year or two of it, and they're asking me, how do you guys get off the farm? Like, what do you do when you want to go visit your parents for a week? And I'm like, we don't, you know, where they're like, how do you deal with the stress or the endlessness of all the work? Do you guys have a hack for X irrigation so that you don't have to move it every day? Like whatever the question is. And the answer is always like, no, (laughs) we just don't get away or we minimally get away. We are tethered here. We don't have hacks to make this easier. It's just hard. And I always feel bad saying that, but it's the truth. And I do think, you know, there's some ranching and farming accounts that absolutely only show the good things. And I think that can be a really compelling way to sell your products because you're not selling just a product, you're selling you and your lifestyle and your ethos. And when people, you know, bite into that steak, they're like, oh, it's like going back in time. It has a nostalgic thing where they're like, ah, you know, I can't live that lifestyle, but I can have this steak. And they, it's been curated and the story has been edited for consumption, just like the product has. And so I try to not do that. I think it's really important. I have an expression that I say a lot that speaks to this whole issue. And it's, um, you pay a price to live your dreams. And it goes back to this concept that two things can be completely true at once, right? Like you can be living your dream life, the life that you have dreamed of and worked for and strived for, and you can have really hard days in that. And you often, if you're going to get that level of living the dream, whatever it is, whether maybe you're a rock climber, maybe you have a restaurant whatever it is, you pay a price for that. And often it's a lifestyle price or it's a financial price. When I say you pay a price to live the dream, I have like a number in mind, like an actual financial number that I feel like I give up every single year to do this. And it's not small. It doesn't mean anything negative about it. I would choose this over and over, but I feel disingenuous if I don't acknowledge that. It feels like I'm tricking people or selling a fantasy. And that's never what I've wanted to do online. It's never what I've wanted our brand to be. And on days like today, 
I'm not thinking of like the financial cost of living my dream. I was thinking more of this intangible piece, this lifestyle piece of it where this work can be unforgiving. It can be relentless. It's like a hungry beast that's never full. It's like a black hole of effort and work. Especially, I think, living in an extreme landscape. So I think of, you know, the desert or the high country up here in Montana. Like anyone that's farming or ranching or doing agriculture in an, in an environment that is extreme, that's endless. You know, the harsh, bitter, pelting wind, the hail, the negative 60 degree nights. Like we are going to have all this. It doesn't care about our feelings. It doesn't care that we're tired. And so I felt like I was paying today. I feel like I have paid for the last couple months. I feel like I've, I'm paying this fare, this toll to get to experience the triumphant, unbelievable, glorious moments of this work. There's there's these photogenic moments that we get to live out here, like being on a horse, kicking cattle out to fresh grass. You know, me and my dog on a four-wheeler, flying down the road, wind whipping, and my other dog running behind the four-wheeler at full speed, just like a gazelle. New lambs being born being able to make a real difference, you know, 1% increase in soil carbon, a volunteer new type of native grass that pops up in your pasture that you didn't even plant. Like there are just so many beautiful moments. And I, I just feel like you don't get them for free. And I didn't feel those highs before I really like paid the fare of the hard days of living this lifestyle and doing this work. And there's this weird thing of being a a public sharer on the internet where there's a piece of me that is performing the work, right? I mean, even to myself, I'm not sure that I could fully ever untangle when I'm telling the story of what we did that day, how much I'm editing, how much am I crafting these stories as I'm telling them. I'm aware that the stories I'm telling are going to be consumed and people are going to interpret them with their own lens and feel certain ways about it. And I feel this huge hunger in our society, pun intended, a hunger, almost like a starvation to get back to the land, get back to connection with nature, get back to I always think of the chicks lyric from Cowboy Take Me Away, like, I want to touch the earth. I want to break it in my hands. I want to grow something wild and unruly. I feel like our culture is craving that so deeply right now, but we only crave what we know. We crave the sort of curated vision of it that we see other people living, and it does a disservice to everyone, including myself, including my own valid feelings, to not adequately and honestly convey the moments when I feel like the effect that this work is having on my body. I feel it like writing itself on my skeleton. (sighs) I bring sort of a lens of being an anthropology major to everything that I do, but I remember a, a chapter we were studying where you could tell based on people's skeletons, you know, ancient, ancient people, 
what their occupation was. You could say, oh, this, this woman did archery. You know, you could tell because it's written on their bones. You get denser bones in areas where muscles connect and based on the muscles and based on, oh, you know, the bow of your legs, these people rode horses all the time. Like it's, it gets written. The work that we do every day gets written on our bodies. And I feel in the moments like today, the pelting rain soaking me to my core. I feel it aging me. Like I feel it in my muscles, in my back tension, in my more and more gray hairs popping up, in my sunspots appearing on my skin. I feel a distance between myself and my peers, you know, that I went to school with who still look so like glossy and they know what's trendy still. I feel like I've lost touch. I feel like I no longer fully fit into that world. This physical work, the manual labor that is such a huge part of farming and ranching, it's writing itself on my body. And I, my husband and I, like, I'm just a spring chicken <laughs> compared to him. He's been doing this his whole life. And it goes back to this ability to hold two things as true in our mind at the same time. This is the work that makes me feel proud, that makes my body feel good. And it's also work that brings about a toll on my body and on my mind. I am living my dreams and it has cost me something very real. And it's different when it's forever. It's different when it's not a hobby. It's different when it feels like there's no turning back. And this helps me put in perspective, you know, the way that farmers and ranchers who have done this for 40, 60, 75 years, how they must feel. I mean, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. I just see it like over the horizon. I know how I feel now at six years. I mean, I guess I've been on and off since I was a kid, but really full-time all in six years. And it does take me to thinking about kind of the way our society looks at ranchers, the way they look at farmers, and how incomprehensible it must be for farmers who have given 40, 50 years into food production and who have paid huge emotional, physical, financial sacrifices to do so. You know, a lot of farms operate at a loss. A lot of farms, you know, you need a spouse to work in town to get health insurance. A lot of farmers struggle they're isolated. They work seven days a week. They don't go to their friends' weddings. Like there's just a lot that is sacrificed to do this work and, and folks do it because they love it so much. And also because it simply has to be done. It's, it's, it's both and, but then to hear like from society, the narrative of how damaging and horrible and bad for the environment farming and ranching is, that's not a message that I can imagine is going to be received well when anyone has given as much as they have to this work. So I hope whether you're in agriculture or not, I hope this has been not just a, a wine fest. I hope it's brought some illumination. It has for me. I feel like I've, I've been able to kind of move through some of these feelings just talking about it. And I'm so grateful to have this podcast. We 
have some heavy hitter episodes planned coming up. I was actually going to record one today, but you know, my four hour escapade with the sheep has delayed me. I need to do a couple more hours of research before I put that together. But I want to thank you all so much for kind of being here to, to catch me as I just trust fall into this, as we build this plane while we learn to fly it all together. I did want to say that I just started a Patreon for Choose Wisely. I have been so far just paying to put this podcast out. Each episode, you know, these these big research heavy episodes can take 10 to 15 hours a week. And it takes me away from my income generating work, ranching. And that has been... I've been so happy to do it. I'm happy to keep doing it. I just, I love this. But originally this was going to be maybe like a 10 episode arc. We were just going to do a season one just to get the most urgent, thought provoking stuff that was in my head that just felt like an emergency and I had to get it out. That was really the original goal. It's like, let's just do a season. Let's see if it lands, you know, and and go from there. But it, it seems to have landed. It seems to be growing seems to be reaching you and I'm so grateful for it. But that means that I need to look a little bit at how to make this more sustainable for me. And I don't want to be dependent on advertisers. I feel like because of the nature of the podcast and how it calls out certain industries and looks at different sectors of our economy with such a critical eye, I feel like it makes it not just hard to bring on advertisers, but also a little hypocritical. So I would like to minimize ads as much as humanly possible, but that means that I am here to ask for your help. So the Choose Wisely Patreon is live. I'm going to link it in the show notes. It's also at patreon.com slash choosewiselypodcast. There's just one tier. Um, You can sign up to be one of our patrons. I'm calling it Regenerator, the Regenerator tier. And I'm just really excited to start building out extra content on the Patreon. This is where I think eventually we'll do a limited, very like modest line of merch and different things. I have <laughs> some fun ideas for like nuance <laughs> hats. Um, but that's where all that stuff will go first. And I think eventually as I keep recording, We'll have bonus episodes that we can share just with the Patreon. So if you feel called to support this podcast, if you enjoy what we're doing, if you think this is important, um, I'd be so grateful to have you join over there. I think what we're doing here is really needed in the food and environmentalism space. I think there's too much polarization, guilt, shame, hot takes, clickbait around all these topics. And so I'm just so grateful to all of you who are opting out of that system and want to go deeper. So thank you so much for those of you who are going to join us over there and become a regenerator at our Choose Wisely Patreon. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me today on Choose Wisely. If this podcast resonates with you, we so appreciate if you'll share a five-star review. It really helps other people find the podcast. And if you'd like to stay in touch with us throughout the week, not just once a week when an episode drops, Choose Wisely is on Twitter at ChooseWiselyPod or on Instagram at ChooseWiselyPodcast. You can email us, ChooseWiselyPodcast at gmail.com. And feel free to just share questions, episode ideas, sources, anything you want. We'd love to hear from you. 
and join us over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash choose wisely podcast. I hope your next meal is delicious and your next conversation nuanced. Cheers.